You're listening to 1881, powered by the American Hereford Association and part of the Hereford Network. Here's your host, Shane Bedwell. Welcome back to another exciting episode of 1881. This is your host, Shane Bedwell, and uh, we're certainly excited. The fall weather is setting in, and uh, boy, it feels good out uh, of a morning, and uh, certainly want to keep thoughts and prayers and all those folks that uh, are experiencing record drought, and uh, it's, it's covering a big part of the country. Uh, for sure. It's usually dry this time of year, but it, uh, it's been dry for a long time and, uh, folks, folks are needing some moisture. And so, uh, you know, we're thinking of you out there, um, at the ranch level and, uh, hope your harvest is going good. The reports have been, uh, pretty, uh, pretty favorable as far as yields in a lot of areas, but, uh, our topic today and the segment title is maximize the worth of your genetics and with me today is the uh, manager and part owner of hrc feed yards llc lee mayo welcome lee thank you shane glad to be here this morning so we're excited to have lee uh, on this episode and um you know give a little bit of background on uh, lee's uh, growing up years and, uh, his, uh, basically his journey to HRC feed yards. And then, uh, we're going to share, uh, basically a little bit about, uh, our junior fed steer shootout and, uh, the adult feed out, uh, that was started at HRC. And so this is a, a great topic. It, it's, a it's relevant, uh, feed yard business is a big part of our industry, obviously, uh, but it's certainly relevant uh, as producers start making uh, those weaning decisions and are in the process of doing that and vaccination time and uh, et cetera. Our next contest date and delivery date is coming up here in December, and we'll uh, share that uh, here in a little bit about those specifics. But uh, we thought it'd be good just uh, to get Lee on this podcast to talk about uh you know, the value in feeding cattle and learning about your genetics, but also share a little bit of the history uh, that we have with our feed out programs here at the American Hereford Association. We appreciate you being on and listening. Uh, it's been incredible, uh, the reach and just the folks that we've touched and the feedback that you've gave us. Continue sharing um, this podcast on all of your social media channels and uh, friends that uh, you think can uh, get some value out of this. And so with that, Lee, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about your background. Uh, grew up in uh, Colorado and uh, native of Colorado. And uh, why don't you share a little bit more uh, about your, your personal background? No, I sure will. But uh, I think before I do that, I would like to uh, just say I – listen to the podcast, the 1881 podcast with Glenn Klippenstein. And I, I, I really wish you to put me on there before him, because I, I don't know how anybody's ever going to live up to all the fun that you guys had with that one and all the enthusiasm for the Hereford breed. That was, 
that was quite a quite a podcast there and i've i've really really enjoyed these 1881s as well and i i'm so glad honored and privileged to be part of one and even to be able to share the same microphone as as a breed giant like glenn and and, and some of the people that you've already had on there shane it's a it's it's indeed a real honor for me to be even asked to to discuss just feeding fat cows and we and we like to do that anyway so but a little about me like shane said i was born and raised southeastern Colorado, where it's always dry. Um, graduated from high school in Pueblo County High School, went to Northeastern Junior College in Sterling and was on the judging team, you know, obviously grew up in 4-H and FFA showing cattle and 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 doing the deal. We've always had, uh, I my family had registered limousine cattle growing up and we transitioned them to having some Angus cattle there in the mid 80s as well. But uh, always kind of, always showed, always fed cattle, was always, I mean, in those days, there was a lot of little farmer feeders up and down the Arkansas River Valley over there, and mm-hmm. and and we were always part of feeding cattle, and I've always just loved it, and and even to, to go back and tell a little more of a story, there used to be a little old packing house there that killed about 300 a day in Pueblo, Colorado, and my dad would tell stories when he was fresh, fresh, young, you know, around 20 years old about working in that packing house, so, and that was called alpha beta i'll be done so so kind of you know i i I think this gets in just like farming and ranching and everything gets in your blood and whether you want to go saddle a horse of the morning and go gather a big pasture or 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 start a combine and plant grain or whatever you do it kind of gets in your blood and it's in your blood and i would say that it's been in my blood since basically the day i was born so but the judging team at njc we were very very successful took a year off between njc and csu and was a state of fa officer for a year for the state of colorado um that's a little hard for some people to believe some days and i understand it but uh went to csu was on a very very good team at colorado state university we ended up being reserve national champions um that particular year that was 91 if i'm remembering everything right so but again your your coach of that uh so you had two pretty dang good coaches at at both levels so when you were a plainsman at njc uh, and your coach was alan nelson and i mean you talk about an educator uh you know and 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 i don't know if i've ever met a more competitive person in my life than mr alan nelson Mm -hmm. but at the same time the one thing that we did and we did it and and you look back and when you get a little older you didn't understand what he was doing to you when you were 18 maybe as well as you do now that you're in your 50s but what an educator in terms of, I mean, you stayed and you worked until you understood what he was trying to teach that day. And, 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 and what a tremendous, tremendous fella and learned so much about him and not just, you know, I kind of thought I knew something about cattle. He kind of taught me one that I didn't know as much as I thought I did, but two (laughs) really taught me a lot more about all the rest of the species and just livestock in general. And, so forth. And, 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 you know, he always had the statement that by God, we're going to look like stockmen and we're going to act like stockmen and we're going to be stockmen. And that's what we were. So, Mm -hmm. and he tried to drill that into all of those teams heads. I mean, you can remember the success that those guys had back that NJC had back in that time frame. They were very, very competitive. Yeah. He's a legend for sure. And they say, and it kind of ties into this episode, his feeds and feeding class that he taught there at NJC was incredible. Oh, I, I would venture to say, and, 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 and I'm not going to 
talk about my present nutritionist, but I would tell you that I've worked with some nutritionists in my life that probably should have had Alan Nelson's feeding <laughs> class <laughs> because it's, uh, I mean, you, we, we weren't dealing with freshman, sophomore type feeds and feeding. I mean, to be honest with you, I think you got out of there and then you went into his animal nutrition class as well. I, I would tell you, Shane, you might almost had a master's degree by the time he was done beating on you. So <laughs> very good. And then, uh, your judging coach at, uh, Colorado state was the one and only Clint Rusk. And, and, and we all know him and, you know, all the successes he's had around. And now, of course, he's the breed exec there at the Charlotte Association, just started this fall. And, you know, what a what a mentor. I mean, as far as, you know, Clint is just an outstanding guy. And and he really probably helped me learn to communicate and discuss livestock better than than anybody along the way. You know, Alan taught us about him. Mr. Nelson taught us about him and taught us what was important and what mattered. But Clint really kind of brought the communication part of that over the top and, and how to ex really express what we were seeing and saying and, you know, and just w what great experiences, you know, and I can, I, I, I was blessed with some of the best teammates that, you know, you could ever have in, in some of those deals in, on, on all those teams and, and just what a great experience. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in the judging program for sure. And, and I, and, and, and the greatest thing about it is, and, and, and I know I'm probably jumping ahead here, but one of the things, other things I was working on this morning, we were loading some fat cattle, but you know, I get to evaluate, you know, between five and 6,000 fat cattle every week on whether we're, it's time to go or time to not go yet. Yep. So when I, and I started my show list this morning before we started this deal and, you know, I mean, there, there's just things there that you're going to use your whole life. If you're, if you really no, no matter what, however you branch off, but yep. anyway, great experiences on the judging team. I, did that. I got out of college. We went home, we farmed, we ranched. I, I, I worked for winter livestock, procuring cattle for them. We had a small grow yard. We started a lot of calves. I mean, done a lot of things, traded a lot of cattle in the country over there in, in, in 2009, I had the opportunity to come over and, and, or 2010, excuse me, come over and go to work for the foot family um, at Lane County feeders. And actually they were in the middle of transitioning, buying it. So I, a good friend of mine, Derek Martin had me come over and, and was getting me over there to kind of procure cattle. And then the foot family bought us that summer is that, that's how that story actually goes. I need to get that correct in, yeah. in how that goes, but worked for the foot family as their manager at Lane County feeders till, uh, from 2010 to 2017, uh, and again, still, still fed some cattle on the side and always had something going on. And, and, and Katie and I got more involved in having a Hereford cow herd and, and put a Hereford cow herd together over here in Kansas and started growing that. And, and my oldest daughter started showing some Hereford cattle. Um, I think the first junior national we went, they, they went to the Hereford junior national was there in 14 at, at Kansas city, but, uh, yep. was that 14 or 15? And I, I may be off on the year there. You guys will have to well, me. it might've been even 13, uh, Lee, because, uh, 14, it actually was yes. 14 was in Pennsylvania. Yep. And yep. you're, you're exactly right, Shane. And thinking about it now and thinking about the two, imagine that you think about the two heifers you had there and I know they're both two models. So there you go. Yeah. So you're right. <laughs> so, so let's, so let's, let's back up here. You said a couple of things and I, I, I want to, you know, it's, it's, it's very interesting in the times that we're in right now, just the, 
financial obligation that a young person after college uh, has to acquire and, and jump into right out of the gate. And, uh, you know, you did several things there, went back home and, and started, you know, working your way, um, you know, in connections and et cetera. But let's just talk briefly here about the opportunities that are in the feed yard business for young people, because I, I think it's, you know, in, in a time where, you know, some of these jobs coming right out of college where that's a pharmaceutical or, you know, you're going to go get your master's or you're pursuing some other career that uh, has some kind of bright and shiny lights. And you're like, well, why would I go work at a feed yard? There's a lot of opportunity there, I think, for young people uh, that want to work hard and get after it. Uh, the potential to, to earn money is pretty substantial, and I think that gets overlooked, Lee. So it's just let's talk about a li- that a little bit. Okay, sure. I mean, we can we can go back to that. So let me let me start by finishing just then. In 2017, I came over. They offered me a a, a percentage of ownership to come over here to HRC, and we've been over here ever since 2017. So that'll kind of yep. I mean, that summarizes my background. We can hit on some more points, but to go down that road, I mean, I I I really try to encourage young people when they're talking about it. I mean, and it's work. I mean, Shane, you said it and, and it's work and there's no question about it. And cattle need fed seven days a week and on Christmas. And I mean, if you're, if your deal is you want to spend, you know, have two months a year off to run around the world, then, then the feed yard business is not probably it, but I will tell people, and, and this is kind of an, uh, an incredible thing that, you know, in the greater Scott County area here and with all the feed yards and there's over 300,000 cattle on feed in this County, you know, a feed truck driver around here makes, I mean, most of them will start making at 50, 50 K a year. And I mean, I've got some of these guys that have been here now four five, six years with me with full benefits, 401 K packages, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, making 65 to $85,000 a year. Right. You know, and that's driving a feed truck. And, and oh, by the way, I mean, those guys are very, very important. And I'm not trying to downgrade that, but it goes up from there. I mean, the opportunity in this feed yard industry for good young people that really want to come in and get after it and are willing to work hard. I mean, the possibilities are endless. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of funny. And, you know, five years ago, I was probably considered a fairly young feed yard manager. Now I'm starting to kind of get to be a member of the old, of the old guys club a little bit here, but, but still at the end of the day, I would tell you that there's not a lot of guys in this business and this industry that are younger than I am. And I mean, I I guess I'm not afraid to share it chain. I mean, I'm 53 years old and I I mean, I probably got another 10 years of managing 60 employees and 60,000 cattle and 3,500 of them in and out every week and, you know, making 2 million pounds of feed a day, but I'm not sure I'm going to be still doing this into my 75s. I think I have uh, ambitions of just taking care of a few Hereford cows and maybe running around the country, maybe chasing some kids and grandkids around instead of uh, yeah. working here for the next 30 years. So, I mean, I, right. I, I think at the end of the day, and and with that being said, and I'm one of the younger guys, I, yeah. I think there, there's opportunities like that available, 
you know, in the, in, in now, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm talking 10 years and now that before probably here, but at the end of the day, I mean, I, there's so many opportunities here that it's not even funny. And, and we wear so many hats in this chair, you know, I mean, I buy cattle. I mean, yesterday for just for example, I mean, we bought, we bought cattle out of a sale barn somewhere. You know, I, I put on my HR hat because I have two employees that aren't getting along one well with one another. Imagine that. I, I, and then at the same time, you're buying grain and you're pricing grain and I'm hedging next April fat cattle. And, you know, I mean, y- you wear every hat in the world. And oh, by the way, when the janitor don't show up, I mean, that's one of the things that Ray Winter always said at, at, at when I worked at Winter Livestock. He says, you know, if, I, if I've done my job right, I don't have to be here. But if the janitor don't show up, we got a problem. Yeah. You know, well, guess what? Because, and his point was, is because when the janitor don't show up, he gets to be janitor too. And guess what? When the janitor don't show up around here, I get to be janitor. Yeah. So, you know. Uh, I'll be sure and call you next time when, uh, when we need one, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's, uh, that's part of being a leader, right? Uh, you, right. you pick up and, uh, it has to get done. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, leaders lead and, uh, they do it by example, the good ones. And, uh, it's, that's, that's the bottom line. You, you just got to make it happen. That's exactly right. And it doesn't matter what it is and where it is. You just, you've got to be here. And I think, you know, again, the, the, the opportunities uh, abound in the feed yard industry, and they just really, truly do. And I, and 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 I've always made the argument that, uh, you know, a hundred percent of the money, Shane, in the beef business, funnels through one of these feed yards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously the packer sells it to the consumer, and the consumer pays the packer and the retailers and so on and so forth. But when you start turning it into actual animals, it has to come through these feed yards and it does. So all the money that comes to whether, whether it's money that's spent in the, in the sale barns, buying calves or whatever, it all comes through these places. And I mean, and that's one of the things that, you know, I, I try to tell people, I mean, I'm, I'm a banker half the day, you yeah. know, cause we finance cattle and we do things and, to help producers, you know, manage their income and manage where they're coming and, and, and provide enough equity and liquidity to keep people feeding cattle. I mean, that's, that's just hat number four, you know, that you wear, you know, I mean, it's not just about getting the cattle fed, which at the end of the day, I'll tell you still number one and number two on the chart every morning, are they getting fed and watered? Right. You know, we don't worry about anything until we get those two things covered, but you know, you, you just keep moving right on down the chain. And, 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 and so there's opportunity like you can't even imagine. I mean, we, we feed 10 million bushels of corn around here over the course of a year. You know, I mean, I have a young lady that works here that basically just handles corn. Yeah. That's her job. That's amazing. 10 million bushels of corn. Yep. Well, when you think about it, when you, when you, when you really think about it, we're, we're, we're feeding, you know, again, 2 million pounds of feed a day, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 365 days a year. And a lot of that would be corn. And, you know, when you get on those hot rations, 80% of that ration is corn. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's crazy. So, so I, I, thanks for sharing some light on that. I mean, that's uh, I think something that's overlooked, maybe folks, you know, it's just not in the spotlight. You know, feed yard guys, they do their business, um, they go on, uh, life happens and it's, it's just maybe not out in the spotlight 
as a major career opportunity. But uh, I, I think that's what's exciting about our junior shootout contests and our feed out uh, that we're doing for the adults, um, but uh, specifically to the juniors with what we've been able to do with the program here, Lee, is, uh, you know, obviously get data and see how genetics are performing, but it's exposing these young people in our organization to the possibilities and the industry well beyond the show ring and the purebred seed stock side of it, uh, of what else is out there. And it's been really, really exciting to see it grow and uh, just start. So just for our listeners out there, our junior program, we're coming up on our seventh year of it starting. And uh, how it all got started, at least the junior program, uh, we were in Kansas City meeting the Research Foundation. We were having our board meeting um, during annual meeting time. And uh, we were sitting at dinner and uh, talking about genetics, talking about research projects that we had going on. And we're like, you know, we're 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 missing a key part of this business and the, and an opportunity, and uh, we have several members uh, that feed cattle, uh, several members that uh, are involved in feedlots, and uh, one of them happened to be in the room, David Trowbridge, up in Tabor, Iowa, and he's like, well, why don't we just start a junior feedout program? And we all kind of looked at each other around that room. We were eating a good CHB steak, and we're like why haven't we done this 30 years ago? Um, and, uh, he's like, well, when can we get started? And we kind of like, well, you know, it might take a little planning and organization. And he's like, let's start it in December. You got to love feed yard guys. We have the screw it. Let's just do it mentality. Shane, <laughs> let's, you surely figured that out. Let's, now. let's start it in December. And we looked at it and like, let's do it. And uh, I think we had like, 80 some show up that first year and, uh, you know, it's evolved over time. So we spent, uh, I believe four years there in Tabor, Iowa, feeding at, uh, Gregory feed yards there and with, with David Trowbridge, what a great experience had cattle come from all parts of the, the U S and, uh, you know, it was really good. And we just thought, you know, similar to our, uh, junior national that we put on every summer let's rotate it around uh, a little bit and and move it to a different part uh and uh you know we 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 had talked to lee and uh you know that's that's kind of where the conversation kind of started and then uh lee and uh he's going to share this story here um a little bit more but uh he's like there there's more opportunity out there that we can be doing beyond the junior contest. And so Lee, let's, let's kind of talk about, you know, you agreeing to be the host of the junior (laughs) shootout and, uh, what other opportunities you saw out there for the association and most importantly, it's membership. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll start with uh, just kind of how it all started. And, and, and obviously, like you said, we started with what we tend to call the, 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 the senior program around here. But uh, so Trey was out here and, and he was covering out Western Kansas and he was stopping in at feed yards and just talking to people about um, 
certified Hereford beef making the transition to, to national beef at the time. So I don't know, Shane, what was that four or five years ago at this point now right. um, that that was going on and he was stopping in and just seeing if, and, and, you know, and I don't think even Trey knew I was in here at the time and I was the manager of HRC. Cause I think that was the summer of 18 that we've maybe started that maybe it was before the year before, but I think it was the summer 18. And we just started having a conversation. And of course, you, you talk about the feds, the junior fed steer shootout part of it. So, uh, uh, of course, it goes down the road and I tell him a funny story. And I'm like, yeah, um, you know, at the time, I think that would have been about bracing my young boy's first year. And of course, my wife was bound and determined that we were going to feed cattle. And I'm like, you know, and, you, and so we put three steers on a trailer and send them to Iowa. And I'm like, well, you don't know anybody closer that could feed your cattle for you. <laughs> you know, just kind of the inside joke there. And Katie's like, yeah, but it ain't the Hereford program. And then, and, and, you know, and, and, and for those of you out there that know my wife and, and her family and, and my mother-in-law and my brother-in-law, I mean, they're all in Hereford. There's no question about that. And, and, and we were sending cattle to Iowa, even though I could have put them on the trailer and rolled them right over here. But so we did that for a couple of years. We sent steers to Iowa for a couple of years up there. And, yep. and, and I think it was the second year that we did that, the chain stopped in here just after we'd kind of gotten the closeouts on that deal, Shane. And, and we got those cattle harvested and so forth. And, and, and Trey and I were discussing that and I, and I was just finally like, Trey, why don't we do this for the seniors? Why don't we do it? So, you know, any breeder in the country and, and, and I will share with you that the, the one and, and, and I'm, I mean, I, I, I've been accused of being a pretty selfish person over my life and I probably am. And I, and I will tell you that even as I had that conversation with Trey that day, one of my frustrations is, is as a Hereford breeder and somebody that was trying to put together a Hereford cow herd and also involved in the feed yard industry and the packing industry. And because here at HRC, I mean, we're, we're a founding member of us premium beef. So, I mean, I, we're, <coughs> I mean, I hate to be this way, but every, or say this, but I mean, every dollar that my family receives is up and down the, the, the beef industry one way or another, while it's selling bulls or calves or, or whatever fat cattle. I mean, it all comes from this industry and I just wanted to be involved in it. And one of the frustrating parts I had is I was trying to make mating decisions at home. I couldn't, I, I was really struggling and still am to a point of really finding cattle that I liked phenotypically as, as, as well as environmentally for this environment that also performed well on the rail. Mm -hmm. And I'm, and, and I just know population genetics that, I mean, those cattle have got to be out there. The biggest problem is, is I think we, we just haven't identified them. And, 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 and that's my opinion. And, and, and you can disagree with me if you want to, or anybody can, but at the end of the day, I think we've got the, the cattle in the Hereford breed that will kill and make prime and make upper choice and feed well, still have the feed efficiency that we're used to and still have the maternal instincts that we're used to and still be efficient as, as cows and so fertile and, and all the things that we love about our Hereford cows, right? And, and our black baldy cows. And, and I think we just got to try to identify them. So with that being said, I was like, they got to be there. We just got to get these cattle on feed and get some data back so that we can find them. And Trey, why don't we do this? Yeah. And, and again, it's kind of back to the, you know, let's don't think about it. Let's don't talk about it. Let's just do it mentality 
reality. And we just kind of dove in with both feet and didn't know what the heck any of us were doing, to be honest. But I think that first year we ended up with about 300 steers in, in, in the open contest and, you know, and, and it's grown from there. And I think people have really enjoyed feeding the cattle here and they've learned a lot about the industry number one, from top to bottom, but they've also learned an awful lot about their cattle, Shane. No doubt. Um, you know, and that there, uh, like you said, uh, there's, there are genetics out there and, uh, there's, there's been, um, you know, a section uh, of our membership and breeders that have put, uh, you know, quite a bit of effort, you know, in, in the carcass side of it. Obviously we've had ultrasound around for uh, several decades here, uh, tracking it. And, uh, you know, but, uh, the, the point that you make is, is well taken is that, uh, we need more phenotypic records and, and, uh, we've, we've done a good job with whole horde reporting, you know, and the basic traits, uh, that are required and, and, uh, to be a TPR member, but those additional phenotypes beyond the ranch, uh, relative to feed intake, uh, relative to carcass data. Uh, that you can get on a set of cattle, our our goal is well outlined in this n- next strategic plan, and that is to grow it at a fast rate. And um, and so, you know, having programs like this feed out uh, uh, contest, uh, what we hopefully will turn it into a contest, but what is right now just a, a, a feed out program is a great start to it. And, uh, I think that's, that's where we're at Lee is that we've got some momentum behind this. Uh, but we're nowhere near where we, where we want to get it. So. No. And I, and I, and I think that's right. And I've, I've, I've said before, and I mean, and again, I, I don't know why we don't have, you know, five, six, seven, eight thousand cattle in this program. I, I mean, I just, the data that you can receive back, and I know we're trying to kind of segue here just a little bit into that, but the data that you can receive back on those cattle, Shane, and what we're going to receive back on them. And, 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 and I'm, I'm not against ultrasound, but I'm going to make a statement here and, and it's just a statement. And I think it's a valid statement the you know the real problem with the ultrasound data that we're actually using to try to make all of our decisions as far as this carcass data is is that data is collected on primarily you know yearling bull calves and 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 replacement females well when you stop and think about that and 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 I've got them on feed too but I have never in my life and never will feed my replacement females, an eight, uh, you know, an 80, 90% concentrate grain type ration for greater than 180 days. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the ultrasound's good. And I think it leads you down the right path. And I think ones that are leaner are leaner and ones that marble better, marble better, but we really, truly without finishing cattle and, and, and taking them to the rail and getting real life carcass data back, we do know, we do not know what our genetics do or don't do, I guess is the way to say that with feed. Yep. Yeah. And there's no doubt, uh, ultrasound is the indicator trait for our carcass EPDs, you know, and the, and the true trade is getting it on, uh, the rail and getting, getting the true carcass data when it's expressed, uh, you're right on a higher nutrition plane, you know, but it's, uh, it's an opportunity and, and I, I just want to make sure our listeners are hearing us. 
correctly. And it's a good, it's a good debate because I have this back and forth with, with breeders all the time. You know, should I stop ultrasounding? Should I continue to ultrasounding? It's nothing's cheap anymore. And, uh, there's less and less technicians and, uh, I would still encourage ultrasound. Uh, but I would also encourage to participate in programs like this, to participate in our national reference sire program and a progeny test, or if neither one of those two work, you probably have a bottom end of your uh, purebred cattle that you can feed somewhere else. Right. <laughs> right? And right that, exactly. And that data can be submitted to the association as well. And so, uh, you don't have an out is what I'm getting at Lee is that there, no. there's no out there's, there's, there's three, four options, uh, that we can grow this database of, uh, carcass phenotypes, um, and continue to learn more about efficiency and conversion, uh, with our cattle and, uh, keep, keep moving forward with that. So, um, that's, that's, that's good. That's, that's really good. So, HR. And there's absolutely no way, you know, I mean, and again, I, I even though I said that it, it, you know, ultrasound is not carcass data, I would still tell you that ultrasounding at least gives us some data points to go into that system that are meaningful. I'm yeah. not saying they're not. It's, I mean, I, I. It's better than a weaning weight phenotype predicting uh, carcass. Right. <laughs> exactly. Okay. <It's, laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, there's I mean, a correlation there. But uh, it's, yeah, we can do better. We can do better. I mean, we can do better. And, and, and you know, and, and there's always, and Shane, you bring up a great point. And, and, of course, I, you know, would love everybody to feed them at HRC and have them be part of this program. Don't get me wrong. But no matter where you are, if you're in the purebred business at this point and you're trying to sell bulls or replacement females or even show heifers, you really, truly ought to know what those cattle are capable of doing when they get to the feed yard, when they get to the packing house, when they get harvested and what they are, because at the end of the day, all of them, I mean, we've seen some awful crazy sales already this fall on these heifer calves, but at the end of the day, Shane, one of these days, those heifers are going to be food for people. Sure. I mean, they all end up there guys. I mean, very seldom do any of them get buried in the backyard. You know, I mean, there's a few of them, but we, we turn them all into food. So they all need to have those very, very important traits. And, and in the world, as we have less acres available to us and more people every day, we've just got to get better at this mm-hmm, mm-hmm. from top to bottom. So the HRC feed yards located in Scott city, America, uh, <laughs> cattle feeding, uh, of, of the world. Um, more cattle fed and square miles of anywhere. Uh, if you haven't been, uh, it, you need to go and just see it. Um, you know, Lee, you're, you're feeding around 60,000 head. You have four or five different yards. there uh, scattered out, uh, around you. And, uh, the main yard is what is the host, uh, for the, the contest, uh, for the juniors and the host for, uh, the adult, uh, feed out. And so Lee last year, we would have had somewhere around, uh, 800 head, I think 900 yeah. head somewhere around there, uh, that would have shown up uh, good participation again from several different States location members. And, uh, we've added on a, 
a field day with that that I want to talk about here uh, after a while. But uh, you've got me convinced. Uh, I've got cattle that I can send you. What kind of data are these folks going to get back um, if they do decide it to take? Well, and and that's a great question, and 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 I will tell you that the. And let's start by what we can do and, and, and what we can do. And with us being uh, U.S. premium beef shareholders, we are very, very good about getting individual carcass data back on every animal that goes through the system. And with that, you get ribeyes, back fats, marbling scores, you know, carcass weights, so on and so forth. Um and it's really good data and it's done at a, and it's done at a big plant. And I think that's important too, because it's done by the USDA, 90% of the, you know, or not 90%, but every one of our carcasses is now read with the camera as we call it. And Shane, you can probably know more about the camera and be more articulate about discussing that than I am, but it measures ribeye size and marbling score. And, and it's just done at the speed of commerce in one of these big plants. You got to remember these, most of these big plants here in Western Kansas. Anyway, I think the smallest one of them kills about or, or harvests is about 4,500 to 5,000 of them a day. And they grade that many as well every day. And they box that many and they cut that many up. And I mean, it's just like 3,500 cattle coming in and out of this feed yard every week. I mean, if you, all these things have to happen at the speed of commerce because you are talking, I mean, for lack of a better word, it's big business, right? I mean, 3,500 cattle in and out a week here means that, you know, and, and, and just to put it into perspective, when you think about it, every one, every animal that walks in here goes through the shoot at least twice. Now on this fed steer shootout and, and, and the adult program, they go through the shoot a few more times than that. But at the end of the day, they all at least go through the shoot twice. So that means we have 7,000 cattle a week. We have to process essentially. And, you know, when you think wow. about grading, grading 4,500 cattle, processing 7,000 cattle, I mean, but my argument to that is if you get into one of these smaller yards, maybe that, you know, there's a little more of this or that, but this is the real world here. You know, 90% of the cattle are fed in yards, 30,000 head or greater, mm-hmm. you know, or mm-hmm. for, for harvest. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is the real world and, and, and we take advantage of every every opportunity we have and and that is from implant programs to you know feed and rack topamines and so on and so forth all that happens here and that is the industry and that is what feeds the masses and and i've always had the conversation that you know these and and even certified hereford beef is one of them i mean it's a branded beef program and it and it has its place and there's there's people that do that but at the end of the day guys i mean and, and and i always like to throw this one out whenever anybody lets me speak, but we still have to remember that 50% of the beef that's eaten in the United States is still hamburger. Yep. Right. Yep. So it's about pounds and it's making pounds as cheaply and as efficiently as we can possibly make to try to compete with the other programs. And that's what we do. And the one advantage we have is I, I, I firmly believe that we have the highest, highest quality product out there by a long ways. And, and, and our price point reflects that as well but we've got to just get better about making that higher quality product cheaper more efficient and and more predictable right we can't have we've we need to narrow it down we need to all, all of them need to grade choice guys all of them need to be a yield grade two 
and and that's one of the things that I tell, you know, back to the, the, the junior program, what I find that's so exciting about the junior program, and I know we're, it will kind of segue again here a little bit, but, you know, Shane, what do we have? 14, 1500 heifers show up at our junior national this summer. Right. You know, at the end of the day, because we do the horned and the pulled, well, there's only two grand champions, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But I think we can all agree that if you have a prime yield grade one, you're a grand champion. You're a winner. And the, and the Packer will tell you, he'd take all of those you could ever make. He likes them. And be happily about it. <laughs> you know, he, he'd name, he'd, if he can kill 4,500 of them, he'd name 4,501 of them grand champion of the day if they were all prime meal grade ones. Yep. There's no doubt. There's you no know, doubt. Yep. So there is opportunity to do this and do this well, is my point. And, yep. and, and everybody can succeed at this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing as we've gone through uh, COVID and uh, you look at the export business on uh, how strong that is. And it's, uh, it's, it's keeping our beef demand extremely strong. Obviously domestic is strong and it, it'll be interesting as we go through inflation here, what, uh, that continues to, to do, but, uh, the export, even with how strong our dollar is, the export side of it is still going gangbusters. And here's the bottom line is that, uh, folks crave high quality American beef because they know it's safe and it's high quality and they keep getting the taste of it and they can't find it anywhere else. And so uh, it's not going away folks. And, uh, we, we've got a great position in the, in the world beef supply to keep, keep hammering down. And, uh, I love what you talked about. We've got to do it in the most efficient way possible. And so that's, that's where, uh, you know, this breed has a great strength in this, uh, along with what we're, we're trying to accomplish and keep pushing the needle further on, but, uh, w- we can do it just as efficiently about, uh, about as any, anybody else. So, and the one thing that, I mean, back to the one data that we can provide, and I will tell you this, and, and, and so that's what we can't do. That is the one thing that we can't do in these large pin settings in these big commercial feed yards is give you individual feed efficiency data. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. We can, we can measure average daily gain because we can weigh those cattle as they come in and we can weigh the cattle when we give them what we call a terminal reimplant and we can, and, and we have carcass weights actually taken at the plant that we can, so we can get you really good gain data. The, uh, again, the, the carcass data, I would tell you, I think I, I would say is as good as any carcass data you're going to get from anywhere, anywhere in the world, any plant anywhere in the world, if you get it through USPB. I mean, there, there is good about getting the data collected and managing the data and, and handling the data for you as anybody, but we can't do what we can't do. And, and that is measure when you put, you know, I have pens around here that hold 350, 400 cattle, you know, and, and, and unfortunately today, the technology is not, 
it, I, I can't say that it's not available because Shane, you and I've had some conversations off the air, right. Yep. Ab- about some of the technology that's coming, Sure. but it's, it's not out there in an effective manner at this point. That's cost effective to be able to collect that data, but on, on a better note, and I will always say this, that if you really want some feed efficiency data, we can get whole pin feed efficiency data. So if, if, if a person out there has a calf crop, whether that's, you know, 25 steers or 250 steers or, you know, somewhere in between mixed steers, heifers, whatever, we can get whole pin data back. And, and that data will be, I mean, it, it'll be rock solid data. And I mean, I've, I've always made the argument. I'm not, I'm not the numbers person that you are Shane or some of the people that work in your office, but if the data is no good, it's no good. That's right. So, yep. I mean, I, I don't want to try to collect something that I know is not going to, that's going to be inferior. Yep. Right. I mean, yep. I, I want to concentrate on what we can do as far as the data, because the data we can collect can really help any producer know, do we have enough muscle? Do we have enough marbling? Do we, are, are, do, do our cattle have enough growth in terms of carcass weight? And that data is there and it's real and it's accurate. Yep. So uh, all that carcass data comes directly back. In addition to the carcass data, uh, we're genotyping those cattle, um, and that's that's done uh, through our uh, sponsor and partnership uh, that we have with uh, Neogen. And so those animals uh, will get a genomic profile, and so that's that's part of our interest in this program is that uh, we're putting uh, DNA and genomics uh, with the carcass phenotypes. Um, because that's, that's important as we go forward. Uh, and that data, the carcass data is going to flow right back into the genetic evaluation and impact your accuracy. Uh, the guarantee that I can make it is going to move your accuracy up. Uh, you're going to have more information coming back on your herd bulls, uh, the AI sires that you've used, um, and, and those females in your herd to, uh, to boost their accuracy, um, if you're sending more than one and and uh, sending more uh, than uh, you know two or three, four or five, it just keeps getting better and better as you send more. And they've got to be out of a couple different sires to be able to make that comparison in the genetic evaluation. Um, Lee made a great challenge uh, to those of you that are out there that have bigger herds. Um, if you have 50, 60, a hundred, you want to send, send them and, uh, you can get that pin conversion data. If not, if you just have three, five, 10, then they will be co-mingled in a pen with the other, um, groups of cattle and they will be fed together. And that's, that was what he was trying to uh, I think communicate, uh, is that, uh, that's no different than any other feed yard in the world. Um, cattle are bought and sold every day and, uh, they put them together sometimes five, two, 10, 20 at a time, uh, to get one pen. And, and when they come to HRC, they're one pen of cattle, even though they might've came from 10 different places, uh, sitting in a cell barn setting. And so, Here's your opportunity, folks. Uh, no matter what size of producer, size of breeder that you are, um, you can bring any of them that you want. And if you have a youngster that's a junior member, then um, put them in the junior program. Um, if 
you're a grown out of age junior and, and now an, an adult member and still like uh, you and I quote classify for that. We, we would, yes, we would, we were, we are out of eligibility in the junior <laughs> program, but uh, yeah, you, you can, you can feed those cattle uh, still. So there's, there's, there's really uh, no reason why you can't uh, participate. Uh, we didn't want to limit this to size. And so it's, uh, it, the, it's, it's there for you. So getting good data, um, all the way through. And the one thing that I, I like Lee, let's talk about this is that everybody's like, well, you know, I, I need a little bit of money. I can't wait till July or June to get all my money on these cattle. And so let's talk about some of the financing opportunity that's available, um, through HRC. Okay, so and 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 it's back to I mean the very first part of the introduction there where I said I wear a banker cap and I and I do this every day and there we do this for a lot of people and 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 I'm going to be a little careful how I say this but what I would absolutely tell anybody is you know go to hrcfeedyards.com number one our financing stuff is pretty well laid out on our website number one but two if you have individual questions just pick up the phone and call and talk to me but I. I really don't want to finance groups of cattle of five head or less because I mean, it's financing cattle is, is very much like buying a car. We have to run UCCs and see whether you have clear and clean title and all the things and so on and so forth. Now, are we willing to do that for somebody and, and do we do it daily? Yes, we absolutely do. And we typically do it on, you know, load lots because that's, let's be honest, that's what we feed the most of. Yep. But, you know, if you, if you got 25, 30 kids and, and you, don't want to push your income into next year by feeding them for the first time because you're so used to having your income be the same and your and your tax person will probably tell you you know you need to do it how you've been doing it so that we can manage your taxes and so forth we have options there and we can finance those cattle and the bottom line is is for two hundred dollars a head down so the the easy equation is let's say your calves are worth a thousand dollars a piece if you send those calves to me here we'll make a note we'll sign a note just like you sign it a regular bank, we'll send you $800 of that $1,000 calf and we'll leave $200 ahead here as down money is what it's called. And at the end of the day, when we, when we actually harvest those cattle next June, July, or whenever we get to it, if those cattle make 50 bucks, then I send you $250 home. If they lose 50 bucks, I send you $150 home. I mean, it's still your money. It's just basically guaranteeing the note for, 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 for me and, and my partners in our bank and our bank, because we've got a bank too. So you still have to make day. a payment. Yeah. And we still have to make a payment, <laughs> but at the end of the day, so, so it's very easily done and you can, you can, <clears throat> I mean, it, that it, it even works in reverse Shane. If you're used to weaning the background in your calves and not selling them until after the first of the year, you can put the calves in here in December 15th or around December 15th is our delivery date for these programs this year. They can come here and we can pay you for those cattle after the first of the year. And if you really need the money in January to keep your operation going, I'm more than happy to finance them and help keep you going because I mean, that's, we all understand the the strain of that. And, you know, as, as somebody that keeps a lot of cattle on feed personally, I mean, even, even I use the feed yard financing 
I, I mean, it's just it's it's a it's a very very valuable tool for cash flow, tax planning, tax purposes as well. And and I can honestly tell you that <laughs> the one thing about us borrowing as much money as we borrow, uh, Shane, uh, our interest rate is generally cheaper than what most people are getting at their hometown bank too. Yeah. So. Yep. So. Even if you don't need the money, sometimes it might, but you owe the money to the bank at home, you might be better off to finance them here and save yourself a couple points of interest as, as this thing keeps getting higher and higher and higher. Yep. No doubt. Um, that's, I think a great opportunity, um, that, that Lee's extending, uh, as a part of this and it's, it's not necessarily special to this feed out program. It's, it's just how the feed jar business works, you know? And so, um, I, I know it may be intimidating, uh, if you've not fed cattle at home, but, uh, here's a program, here's an opportunity that's trying to lessen that burden, uh, as possibly, uh, as, as we can, um, because we all believe and, and why we want to continue to ramp this up is the value in the data that you are getting back, you know? And so, um, you know, Lee, Lee had me on a phone here a few years ago and we were talking and he's like, you know, I've got kids and I want to see their kids still raising Hereford cattle and being successful in this industry. And if we can't get some of this stuff figured out, they're not going to have an opportunity. And, uh, you know, that's, that, that hit home, um, you know, as a young, young father. And, uh, you know, we have such a powerful youth program is that, um, here's a great opportunity for our industry, for our membership, uh, to keep, keep pressing forward, keep pushing the needle and, uh, keep, keep better in our genetics. And, uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about the value uh, that, that, that you get in this Lee. Well, Shane, and, and, and I want to start and you'll take it down a little different path because you will. And, 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 and that's, and that's perfectly fine, but I, I love the, the, the emphasis you put on, on the data and, and, and let's back up for a minute and say, I like that we're DNA marketing because we just don't know what we don't know yet. Right. About yeah. DNA. We really, truly don't know what we don't know. And the more data we can get that has a DNA profile attached to it, the more we can learn, correct? And I think as, as you look at this, and, and, and I've always said this, that my data is probably, on a scale of 1 to 10, if my data is worth a 9 or a 10 to me, my data on my genetics, since we are all AI and we're all kind of commingling and breeding these cattle amongst all these different herds that we are using in the Hereford breed, me collecting data on my stuff, Shane, might be, it might, st- that data might still be worth a seven on your scale from one to 10. Mm-hmm. It's not even your data, but it's worth a seven because why you're learning what my cattle can or cannot do. And I promise you somewhere in your cow herd and my cow herd, they are interrelated. Yep. So it doesn't matter if you, uh, everybody needs to participate in trying to get some more of this data and collect it because Shane and I, and I forgot that I'd even told you that, but I, I, I mean, I mean that, I mean, I've got a 10 year old son and I've got two 20 year old daughters and I hope, you know, one of these days that 
that their, their kids are, can make a living selling Hereford bulls if that's what they want to make their living doing. And to do that, we're going to have to be Jick Jack Joker game all the way across the board in the beef industry. We're going to have to have the efficient mother cow. We're going to have to be good enough when we hang them on the rail. We're going to have to be efficient enough and good enough in the feed yard. I mean, the breeds that are going to win this race moving forward as and I and I I really do believe this because I said it earlier. Every day we get less and less acres, and we have more and more people to feed. Mm-hmm. So this thing is going to become more commercialized. I think every day we live. Yep. And we are going to become more like the Holstein. I mean, the dairy industry is basically a hundred percent Holstein at this point. Do we want to be part of that? I think we can be part of that as a Hereford breed. I think we bring a lot of things to the table that need to be part of that equation. And I think we can be, but we have to be on the forefront of trying to figure it out to be everything to everybody to a point. We've got to be good enough. We don't have to be the highest grading. We don't have to be the most efficient. We don't have to be the the most or the least anything. We have to be enough Yep. of all. Yeah. And, and that's a great point, you know, no problems, no issues, you know, in a, in a consumer driven beef market where they are wanting to know more about the source, wanting to know more about the genetics. I mean, what we essentially have to do is take risk as a seed stock germplasm out of the next segments in this beef business we have to take risk out of their buying decisions. And uh, if if we can prove that they will not have risk, and better yet, upside, then the sky's the limit. You know, whether it's you buying a set of calves from somebody, uh, whether it's uh, the packer buying a pen of fats from you, uh, it, it all feeds the same chain. And I, I agree with you. And the fact that uh, this thing is getting tighter and tighter every day as far as that integration, whether we like it or not, and we can choose to go down that route or we can can stay outside of it. But the bottom line is that you still have to know more about your genetics. You have to know more about your cattle and what they can actually do all the way through. There's just, there's just no way getting around that. I don't think. Uh, with with where this is going, and that's never going to change. I mean, I think it just gets worse and worse and worse. Yeah. It, it, I mean, yeah. it, or better or better or better. I guess I don't know what the yeah. right term is I, there. I, right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I think it gets better actually. Um, right. Cash. Somebody was telling me the other day back back in the depression days, cash was king. And and cash has always been king. Um, phenotypes are king. Yep. Lee, I mean, when, when we, you stop and think about it, phenotypes will be king in this industry as we go forward, because we can prove it, right? Uh, we, we, we can show, we can show the value, um, through it. And so it's interesting right now, I think in the market, you know, as we, uh, kind of get through this calf run. You know, uh, the video run was incredible, what calves were bringing. Um, you know, we're starting to kind of knock on the door of those 14 calf prices. Um, the writing's on the wall that that's coming soon. 
hopefully, uh, with these input prices, we're going to have to have something uh, to to buy by the next year's hay and and keep going. But uh, you know, a lot of these producers, I, I know uh, my folks back home, were sitting. Well, why wouldn't we sell them? Why do why would we take that risk and feed them? Uh, when we can sell a twelve, fourteen hundred dollar calf right now, and uh, be done with it, and and not have that risk. Uh, so let's let's talk about that. I, I think that's a you know we're kind of in that time. You know, the last couple of years it's been okay. You know, feeding cattle at times uh, if you were hedged up and and kind of had it going. But uh, there it, it seems a little doom and gloom now a little bit uh, when you've got a penciled in $50 loser with a dollar 40 cost to gain and, uh, corn the way it is, uh, why would they feed them and take that risk here, Lee? Well, Shane, there, I, I think there's, I can give you a big long list of those and, and, and let's work on that. And I'm going to end with a different, I'm, I'm going to end with a little different perspective on it. But first off, I'd tell you that one, I totally agree with you. I mean, I folks for the last four years, I've had a month long waiting list for people to get cattle into this feed yard. And, and basically all of my cohorts have been the same way. Those month long lists are no longer, I mean, none of us have them, you know, are are we still full? Yes, we're full, but are we, you know, so packed full that we don't have anywhere to put them and we can't handle. No, we're not that full. And, and why is that? Well, when you look back at all the USDA data and so on and so forth, I mean, we've, we've harvested 20% of the cows. I mean, our cow numbers are down significantly in the last three years, almost 20%. And, and I think part of the reason that we've still been full the last 12 to 18 months has been due to this dry area and this drought area. And as soon as, as, as soon as it gets wet again, and it will rain again. I mean, I, I, I grew up in a world where it only rained about 10 inches a year. <laughs> uh, trust me, it'll rain again. Uh, I, I mean, the entire time I was in high school, I think it rained three inches in the greater Boone Metroplex over there, you know, but, <laughs> and, and as soon as I go to college, it rains and we make hay and, and, and I'm not home to help dad haul hay. So I was in all kinds of trouble, yeah. but anyway, moral of the story, it, it, it is what it is and it'll rain. And when it does, and we start keeping cows back, this thing is going to get crazy wild. And it, and and I mean that it's going to get crazy, crazy wild in terms of what a fed steer might be worth, what a breeding heifer might be worth, what a bred heifer might be worth. I mean, we haven't seen it yet. So, I mean, part of what I would tell a person, and I, I use this phrase that hold your inventory as long as you can hold your inventory in an up market. And what I mean by that is why would you sell your calf today when our market is getting better and getting stronger every day as we go and has been for the last two and a half years, and we haven't seen that thing even come close to topping yet. Why would you sell something today that you don't have to sell until July because you can retain ownership through the feed yard and make that calf fat and not sell him until then? Because I'm telling you, I don't, I, I, I feed quite a few of these things and I don't sign up for a $50 a head loser on purpose. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm still buying those $50 a head losers and Shane, you're exactly right. If you do the math today, they're a $50 a head loser, but I think there's more than enough come in the market due to this reduced head count of cattle that we're all going to see that that 50 bucks is going to be made up. Okay. That's also on a cash to cash basis. 
Yeah. Okay. And it's also considering no premiums or discounts for that matter for, for having good genetics and good cattle. And I mean, I, we're averaging coming out of HRC feed yard at the present moment, we're averaging somewhere around plus 60 on the grid. So that takes your $50 loser and all of a sudden makes it a $10 winner. Yep. But more importantly, for people that are involved in this program and Shane, and I think may, maybe you'll argue with me and I hope you, I hope you do because a good argument's always good for good for the soul, number one, but it's good to bring shed light on everything. But if you're a seed stock producer and it looks like you might lose $50 to feed your calves, but still you're going to get all this data and you're going to learn all the things that, that you can learn from the data that we're going to collect from you and, and have these cattle DNA marked for free. I mean, this one just occurred to me, but heck, DNA in them cost 50 bucks. It's pretty close. Right. Yeah. D DNA cost 50 bucks and we're going to do that for you. Yep. Guess what? There's your 50 bucks. You just saved your 50 bucks. Mm -hmm. But more importantly is what's this data worth? That's what I'm saying. I mean, to me as a seed stock producer and the decisions that I made two years ago, when I was picking semen out of a, a semen tank, you know, at 10 o'clock at night to go out to breed a cow, trying to be conscientious about marbling and carcass traits and so on and so forth. Why would I not? go ahead and even sign up for another $50 loser. If, if that's what it is to know whether I was right or wrong to almost two years ago now. Yeah. I mean, I think that's cheap. Yeah. I, I, I can't argue with that Lee at all. Um, I wish you, know, you could, cause I'd love to, uh, you, you, you got to finish out what you started. Right? right. And, uh, there's likely, uh, 10, 12, 20 full sib, heifers still in your herd right <laughs> so you're trying to sell some bulls to somebody too yeah right so i mean we we that that's the the knowledge uh you know the, the epd calculation accuracy improvement that's one thing but it's also you know knowing where our baseline is at and i i would i would i would challenge and i i know we've we've got some pretty good producers out there that know where their baseline is at, uh, relative from an end product merit standpoint and, and all the other important economically relevant traits, but there's some that don't, right. You know? And so, um, you know, we, we've, we've got to figure out, uh, where our genetic base, you know, is at, and, and especially, uh, at, at a herd level. And that's, I think that's, I, there's not much more that needs to be said at that. So, no. And, 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 you know, if you just bring 50 calves and they lose 50 bucks a piece, that's $2,500. You're going to get an awful lot of knowledge out of those 50 calves for 2,500 bucks. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I think you want to tie it to the bottom line. Let's tie it to the bottom line. And, and, and there it is. And, and I, what you can learn to make the right decisions moving forward from that and, and being able to advertise in your bull sale catalog or as you're sorting your replacement females and knowing that th this sire's got more marbling than those and you're down there to the last four or five and you're trying to make the cut and, and, and you know what you know. 
how much more is that worth over the lifetime of that female? I mean, I think Shane, we're saying the same things and, 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 and I'm just trying to put it in a little different perspective, but you know, that cow's going to raise 10 or 12 calves for you. If she's a good Hereford cow with the longevity that we have. And if she's going to do that and, and have calves that are constantly worth 50 to a hundred dollars more because they marble that 50 bucks you just learned is nothing over yep. the lifetime of that cow you're keeping at home. Sign me up for one of those winners that you were talking about earlier. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Right. I mean, we all want to be yep. a winner. Let's be a winner. Yep. Let's do it. Yeah. So, um, so the contest enrollment is right around the corner, uh, annual meeting time. We're going to have, uh, f- some coffee and donuts and, uh, we're going to have Garrett Parsons, uh, with PMS, uh, talk about, um, you know, kind of the results, kind of a summary that, uh, Pete Anderson and, uh, would have put together and Garrett Parsons is going to share that, uh, Friday morning, uh, their annual meeting that at seven o'clock right away, as we get started with our educational forum. And I can't think of a better way to start off our educational forum there in Kansas city. Uh, with that. And so I think that'll be good, but, uh, you know, enrollment date, uh, Trey Befford is the guy in charge, as Lee mentioned, uh, before he's the one that puts in all the man hours and time and coordination and et cetera, with the, the shootout contest for the juniors and the feed out. And, uh, all of us here in the office kind of work through him, uh, after that. But, um, yeah, I, I think, here, here's the deal, folks. Uh, enrollment dates coming. Uh, we have some health components uh, tied to uh, sending these cattle. I mean, uh, you want to set your cattle up uh, for success, and so they need to be weaned um, 45 days out from delivery date at least. Uh, Lee would say probably if you could make that 60 or 90, uh, you've got a better chance of success. Uh, there's two rounds of uh, modified live uh, vaccine required, and so we want these cattle as healthy as possible coming. So enrollment date's coming November 1. Uh, if you have any questions about the contest, uh, contact Trey uh, Beffert here in the office, Director of Commercial Programs, and uh, he can kind of work you through uh, all of that. And then uh, we're going to take delivery on these cattle for the junior contest and the adult contest, December 12th through the 14th, December 12th through the 14th. And so, um, you know, those, those decisions that you're making right now, that's why we wanted to have this podcast, uh, here early October. So we could kind of start getting it on your mind. Um, and, and hopefully, uh, get some additional cattle. Uh, we're, we're nowhere, near where we want to be, uh, in this. And, uh, we want to keep, keep growing it for obvious reasons. The other thing about, uh, what we've been able to do with the, the junior portion of this and, uh, the adult portion for that matter, if you look at some of the pictures from last year's field day, there was just as many adult breeders at the field day as there was junior members. That and, is a hundred percent correct. And, uh, that's, that's what I think we've, we've, uh, a step forward that we've taken in this is our field day. And, uh, it's, uh, at least a day long, uh, 
a field day. Yeah. It, it might turn into more than that here over time. But, um, you know, we had folks from, uh, you know, the packing industry, uh, Cargill came and, uh, broke down some, uh, carcasses and, uh, cuts and kind of walked through the, the process of it. Lee's done a great job of immersing everybody in the, in the feeding side of it and kind of actually what happens day to day at the feed yard. We've priced, uh, cattle on a live basis. Uh, and converted them to a grid. Uh, Lee, what else uh, happens at the field day? I mean, uh, Kevin Good came from Cattlefax and shared uh, kind of the uh, the state of the union on uh, the market and uh, what what we can expect. Uh, we've had some other great speakers, Lee. We've had some of our partners and in, in, in this program come. I mean, it's it's a it's a must tend event. Yeah, I mean, it really truly is. It's something that you know, we threw it together. I mean, and I'll be honest, we, we literally threw it together in about a month, month and a half here two years ago. So last year, this, this past spring here in April, we had our second field day. And, and I mean, it's, it's just a tremendous program. And I think that anybody that's curious about the feeding industry as well as the packing industry and so on and so forth. Uh, we're still, I think it's safe to say, Shane, that we're still trying to figure out which direction this thing needs to go and how exactly how, what all needs to happen on those days. And we've had some, some crazy good education and, and it it, it is kind of marked as the fed steer shootout field day. But again, I think, just due to the complexity of a lot of the things that we're talking about in terms of the market dynamics and, 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 and what really goes on, it's great for the kids and we try to make it kid friendly and, and it is kid friendly, but there's also so much information that's, that's spit out there for, I mean, Hey guys, I, I learned something at the field day and I really truly do. And I live and breathe this business, you know, 14, 18 hours a day. And yet those, those, those people from Cargill, you know, I, I had never seen where a Denver state come from. Yeah. And it was really, really cool to watch them right there in front of all of us tear down, you know, a primal and get to the Denver stake. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I, and I've seen a lot of things and, and, you know, and, 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 and I went through school and we saw all that stuff, didn't we Shane? But I mean, Shane, maybe you were still in school when they finally figured out where that Denver stake was located there. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I was, I, I, I got too much gray in my beard for that one. I'm, I was long gone. You know yeah. what I mean? That's something that's happened since I was out of there. So, so we didn't know where that one was. I didn't know where that one was coming from, but what a neat deal. And we come in, please come in on Friday night. If you come into that thing and, 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 and there's been some discussion about how long that's going to be and how we're going to do it. And, and I don't think we've got the, the, the thing finalized yet. The real uh, uh, agenda, I guess, is the word I'm looking for there finalized and in, in what all is going to be there. But I know the Cargill people were super, super enthused and loved it and, and want to participate again. And, and, and I mean, from the feed yard side, I mean, we love sharing with you what we do and, and how it works around here and, 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 and just the day-to-day operations of, of, of what goes on around here, because again, it's back to the 2 million pounds of feed a day. You know, I mean, there's, there's just a lot of things that go on that people have not seen that we would love to show you because I mean, we're all involved and, and we all have our place in feeding the world. Right. And, and I don't care if you have 10 cows at home or, or you, or you manage a 60,000 head feed yard, like I do, 
we all have our role in that. And, and we can all learn more about it. We can all get better about doing our job better. And, and, and we can also take advantage of the marketing opportunities and we can learn from the folks that, and, and, and talk about their data and their good data, right? Shane, back to data again. But I mean, those folks at Cargill have got 50 years of data that is, that, that is just impeccable in terms of markets and timing and weather and cow herd numbers and placements. And I mean, and, and it's fun to actually listen to those things and, and, and know some of those things. And I'm sure we'll have another representative from, from cattle facts here that day. And, you know, and, and what all else, I, I don't know, I guess we, more to come, right. For yeah, sure. But exactly. anyway, but it's a big day and it is sure worth. Um, I, I know there's been a young lady that's come out here two years in a row from West Virginia and I'll come all the way out here. And we had people from California this year as well. And I think if you ask all those people, whether they would come to this thing again or not, or whether it was worth coming at least once, I think every one of them would tell you it's a must, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of like going to Disneyland. If you got kids, you, you probably, if you're going to feed cattle and be part of the beef industry, you probably ought to come spend a day at this field day. Circle your calendars, folks, April, 15th april 15th put it on your calendars start making for the trip the voyage to scott city america the big metropolis of scott city actually it's a great kansas town it is a pretty neat town really good food (laughs) better better company Uh, i'll leave it at that um Certainly appreciate you being on, Lee. I hope you've been able to tell Lee's passion for feeding cattle. It's his life. He's immersed in it every day, enjoys it. And um we really appreciate you being on, Lee. I know you're uh you're busy making trades, sorted fat cattle this morning. Uh hopefully you got top dollar this week uh, out of those good old Packers. And uh <laughs> Uh, yeah, we'll leave it at that, but, uh, Hey, we enjoy you being on. We appreciate what you do for the, for, uh, the American Hereford association and for our junior shootout and feed out contest. It's, uh, really appreciate what your team does there at HRC. Thank you so very much. And we're very, very proud of what we, what, what we're able to provide and the service that we're able to provide. And, and, and we want to continue to, to up our game as well and, and, and try to get better at doing what we do. And, and it's, it's always more than great fun to educate and, and visit with people about feeding their cattle and feeding their calf crops and so on and so forth. And again, I, I guess I, I'll, I'll just leave with this, that if y'all have any um, questions or anything, and if, and if Trey can't answer those questions or Shane can't answer those questions at the Herford Association, just Google HRC feed yards. We got a pretty, pretty good website. That's got a lot of the information already on it, but it also has all the phone numbers and emails of the, of the people, you know, and you can sure get a hold of us at, at any point and we're happy to visit with you any way we can. So thank you all for the opportunity. And again, I, I'm pretty sure I probably didn't live up to Mr. Cliffenstein, but, but, uh, had a lot of fun and enjoyed the conversation, Shane. Thank you, Lee. And, uh, thank you to our listeners. Appreciate you being on and, uh, taking advantage of, of, uh, the podcast and sharing those, 
uh, with friends and family and those uh, that you uh, think may in- be interested. So keep listening, keep giving us feedback. Uh, we certainly uh, enjoy the the feedback uh, that we get here at the office, and uh, we'll continue to make uh, this podcast as as good as we possibly can. And so, here in the next couple of weeks, we uh, we will be in serious. <laughs> annual meeting mode. Uh, it's coming up right around the corner. And so we're excited to elect that next, uh, board of directors, uh, to, uh, to the board. Uh, we're very excited about the educational forum, uh, that we mentioned in this podcast and, uh, what we have the rest of that day. We've got some great hall of fame, hall of merit, uh, inductees coming in the association. So it's just going to be another fantastic annual meeting, uh, uh, to share and uh, that that fellowship that we have as a breed uh, is second to none. So look forward to seeing you all here in Kansas City here in a few weeks. With that, we're signing off. Thanks for tuning in to the American Hereford Association's podcast, 1881, with host Shane Bedwell. For more information, visit Hereford.org and make sure to subscribe to the podcast today. <laughs>